0: Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer.
1: And I'm Jake Sherman.
0: And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, you've got some news or not news about Terry McAuliffe's next act. Number two, the latest on redistricting in California. And number three, Paul Gozar is facing a censure vote all right jake let's get into it we are breaking some news this morning about terry mcauliffe and where he may end up uh post gubernatorial run
1: yeah so the white house wants to find a spot for terry mcauliffe in the administration this according to many uh uh sources here with familiar with what the white house is thinking uh you know this actually makes a lot of sense, Anna. Uh, you you got this tip, so um, I, and and I worked on it with you. Uh, I guess that's kind of how this works, right? So <laughs> <laughs> journalism
0: one hundred and one, everyone.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So, um, uh, you know. I think that these these discussions are not even really happening yet. But when I when I I talked to the White House about this, I talked to the administration about this and uh, they seemed pretty open that they want to find a spot for Terry somewhere in the administration. He is. Listen, this is somebody who's been in party politics for a long time, served a term as governor, um, obviously came up short. And and in many in many in many ways, I think um, his allies blame Democrats in Washington for. Um, his loss, whether that's true or not. I, you know, I'll leave that to political scientists to figure out. Uh, we reached out to Terry McAuliffe to see if he would be interested in going into this administration,
0: and he did not reply. But I think to your point, Jake, uh, this is just, uh, you know, he would be a seasoned veteran operative at a, in an administration that's had a shaky go of it here in the last several months. Um, certainly would be a steady hand. His politics are very similar to Joe Biden's. He ran his campaign in large part on the Biden agenda. Uh, so, you know, it might be a little bit too soon for him to figure out what his next act is. But clearly, the White House open to trying to find a spot for him. Of course, all cabinet spots are full for now. Um, but that doesn't mean things might not change or they couldn't create a position. Uh, so it's something that we are going to be watching pretty closely.
1: And I would also say not only are they int- are they open to finding a spot, it seems to me that they are... Um, they're actually interested. They're eager to find him a spot. I'd even take it a step farther. I, I, I've. It's not as if like we'll talk to Terry, you know, and we'll see where if we can find something for him. They said they're eager to find something for him, which I kind of thought was interesting. And and um, you know, a lot of the times people play coy with this. Uh, the the administration didn't play coy with this one. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the
0: morning. Redistricting, a draft California congressional map is out and it could lead to a big shakeup in the delegation. Of course, this is just the first round of congressional maps for 2022 and they were released by the California Citizens Redistricting Commission last night. And uh, I think we could say... Uh, with with fair certainty that this set off something of an uproar among political pros in the nation's biggest state.
1: You know, let's take, a let's pull the camera back for a second. Um, California is one of the states that has moved to non a, mar, a nonpartisan redistricting commission. This was for a long time run by the Democratic Party machine. If you'll remember um, Howard Berman's brother and Henry Waxman and Howard Berman himself, all three big figures in Democratic politics in California for You know the last better part of the last sixty years or something like that, probably fifty years. But uh, had incredible, incredible sway over the map in California. They moved to this nonpartisan redistricting um, scheme, and I don't mean scheme in a bad way, but program. And and that has made uh, redistricting change. And and um, a couple interesting uh, notes here. Dave Wasserman, our our friend of the Cook Political Report, with Amy Walter. he named some big losers and big winners. And interestingly, uh, Devin Nunes, uh, the the um, Republican from se- the Central Valley of California, who's been in the House for a very long time, a, a, a fierce ally of President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, he saw his seat go from Trump plus five to Biden plus nine. Now, you know, he could find another district to run in his district, interestingly enough, <laughs> Um, is in the same neighborhood as one Kevin McCarthy. Um, I don't think he'll primary McCarthy. I'm not suggesting that, but I just think it just shows he doesn't have much place to move. Daryl Issa has gone from a Trump plus eight to a Biden plus one. Um, Remember, Issa came back to to Congress in Duncan Hunter's seat after Duncan Duncan Hunter was indicted and convicted and then pardoned by President Trump. Um, Big winners here is David Valadeo, who has Fought like you know, like a dog for his seat for years. Gone for every bo- cycle. We're always watching that seat, right? And and I think by the way, Valadeo lost. Uh, yeah, Valadeo did lose and then came back. Uh, he lost in 2019 after he voted for the Republican tax bill. Kevin McCarthy held his hand and walked him off a plank, and he, he somehow got back to Congress. Uh, his seat goes from a Biden plus 11 to a Biden plus seven, which is not is only marginally better. But you know that's that. Young Kim, uh, a rising star in the Democratic in the Republican Party rather, got from a Biden plus 10 to a Biden plus six. That is that Orange County area. Young Kim is a. Um, uh, a, one of the favorites of Kevin McCarthy and Republican leadership. So, you know, uh, this is not settled. These things are not, you know, these things are not, um, they're not done until the maps are, are signed into law. Um, But So there's now a two-week review period, and final maps will be filed to state officials by the end of December. Uh, A lot is expected to change here, but, you know, it's funny, Anna, what happens when you take the maps out of the hands of partisans. And you and I always say this. Uh, I just was telling someone this yesterday. People ask what's the biggest... Contributory factor of partisanship in America and it's redistricting. It's the fact that partisan Republicans and Democrats draw maps that protect incumbents. I mean, it just that's a fact, right?
0: Yeah, we talk about this a lot, uh, particularly when we go out to the country and a lot of people get fed up with Washington and what's happening. And yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously it's money and politics, first of all. But I think to your point, another leading factor clearly is how partisan these districts get drawn so that there's just so very few actually competitive house districts, which means which translates, frankly, to the fact that there's very little incentive for anyone to compromise for anyone to work across the aisle and we see this time and time again and so the this California is a state that's kind of in an experiment as as you you kind of said earlier with this nonpartisan commission that is is gonna we'll see what that means for the next you know you know 10 15 years down the line D- does that actually make a big impact
1: here and it made not? a big impact just to be clear it made a big impact the last redistricting cycle um which was the first redistrict the first redistricting cycle that had this citizens redistricting commission, um, so you know I, I would just say uh, this is the second one around, and goodness gracious, I mean, and it, it's just a it's a different it's a different uh, I think in if I remember correctly, yeah, I think I do remember correctly because I read this last night um, in 2012, the first time the last map was in seven incumbents lost lost seats. So that just shows you, that just shows you kind of how, how it, how the, uh, how it rolls after, um after a nonpartisan redistricting process.
0: All right. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning. House Democrats are going to push Or offer a censure resolution against GOP Representative Paul Gosar, the Republican from Arizona, for, quote, posting an edited video on social media depicting himself as murdering Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and attacking President Joe Biden. This is the latest incident uh, involving this hardline conservative GOP lawmaker, Gozar has demonstrated increasingly in extremist views in recent years. Uh, his own sister recently called him a quote-unquote soci- sociopath during a Wednesday interview on CNN and added, where is the accountability? Uh, so this is somewhat some that's kind of the smallest flavor potentially of accountability uh, that we are going to see happen on the house floor
1: yeah listen i mean this is disgusting um i don't know how to i don't know how to um i don't know how to be you know fair about this because the only fair thing to say is it's disgusting i mean the the guy put a um I mean, he put a he put an image of himself killing another. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Now let's just talk about the mechanics of this. Um, this it would, in most cases, this would be a privileged resolution, um, which means it, it could, if it's brought up, it's brought up and it can immediately be considered by the House. Um, and
0: it would only need a simple majority to pass the House, right?
1: Right, which means it would pass, and he would be censured. He would have to stand in the well and take his punishment. I mean. Let's pull back here for a second. I mean, the House has just become a a really dreadful place in a lot of ways um, when it comes to just the behavior of members of Congress. And, um, I mean, I even think you might get some Republicans voting for this because it's just it's just I mean, this behavior is just is just disgusting. Um, And um, I, I don't know how other how else to put it, but I imagine I imagine this has to this has to go. Meaning, they have to do something about this. It has to get. It has to go into. Um, they, they're going to have to hold a vote on this. I would imagine next week. So uh, I don't see a reason. I just can't come up with a reason that Pelosi wouldn't do this.
0: Yeah, but she's also called. I just think it's important to note. Right, oftentimes when members do th- behavior that is I- I- you know even less um, offensive than what gozar has done they often get taken in you know by their own members of the leadership they get stripped of committee assignments uh, the speaker has called for an ethics investigation and so far we have not seen any movement by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to take up this issue or publicly. No, McCarthy respond to it.
1: said nothing. It's embarrassing uh, to say nothing about this, and and um, you know I I don't know how to I don't know how to um, I don't know how you would. I mean, yes, he's taking the tweet down, but I mean, goodness, I, I I can't imagine that there's any sort of political. Well, maybe there is, but I I I don't know what the political constituency is um, to. Uh, not say something here. or And if there is a political constituency, then maybe that constituency is not one you should be courting.
0: All right. And with that, before we leave you, we want to give a little sneak peek to our fellow podcasters, the Ruthless podcast by Josh Holmes, Michael Duncan, and Comfortably Smug. Yes, we'll call him that. They are hosting uh, this week. We have a little sneak peek in Punchbowl News AM. AM. Bob Dole, the 98-year-old former Senate majority leader and man, you know what Jake was pretty impressive how up on the news. Uh <laughs> Dole, the former Kansas Republican is at 98 years old. I, it was pretty stunning to me. You'll have to hear the snippets online but pretty impressive, huh?
1: Yeah, um you know the yeah, he he I would I would say this he's just um he knows exactly what's going on. He talked about with with Holmes. He talked about the squad, which is you know, uh, Dole was in the House. Remember for eight years from 1961 to 1969. A, a long time sur- ago. <laughs> yeah, he was. The squad was not a thing when when Dole represented the House. Uh, represented Kansas in the House before he went to the Senate. Became Majority leaders. Dole, if you remember, is 98, has cancer. Uh, Joe Biden went to visit him in his apartment in the Watergate at the beginning of his administration. Um, but you know, listen, he's keeping up with the, uh, he's keeping up with the house, which is kind of impressive.
0: Very much. So, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. It's the best way for people to find out about the daily punch. You can also subscribe to punchable news at News. Have a great day and stay safe.